are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Ezra 1, 1-6 In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, The people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts in addition to all the free will offerings. Ezra 2, 68 and 69. When they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave free will offerings toward the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for this work 61,000 derricks of gold, 5,000 minus of silver, and 100 priestly garments. All right, thanks, Jeff, for reading. Well, if you would have told me when I was in seminary that I would end up being at a church in a YMCA, I would have told you that you're crazy. Not that I would have been opposed to the idea, it is just not what I would have expected. And maybe you never expected to be at a church in a Y either, or some of you maybe not to be at church at all, and yet here we are. And on this Sunday, we just think, isn't it amazing the things that God does? I've had a few years now to collect a little list of fun or unique things about being a church in a YMCA, and so I wanted to share those with you this morning. Here are my top 10, my top 10 list in no particular order. Number one, I have no excuse not to exercise. So friends of mine or some of you will say, oh, I was just so busy at the office, I I, I couldn't get to the gym today. That excuse does not work for me because my office is literally at the gym. (laughs) Number two, second reason, fun or unique thing, the hot tub. I mean, that you don't need to twist my arm on. How many pastors can walk down the hallway at church and go take a dip in the hot tub? I feel pretty lucky. Number three, you'll see the, the theme that's going here, the little Reese's Pieces candy dispenser in the lobby. All right, that was a new addition this year. It was just a a brilliant idea, whoever thought of that. But I've also never gone through so many quarters before. Number four, and now more seriously, the YMCA is full of people. Last Sunday, we told a little bit about the YMCA story, its history, and why it makes so much sense for us to be here and call this place home. And we said last week, the church is ultimately not a building, it's people. And we exist to connect people to Christ. I think there's no better place in our community to do that than a place like the YMCA. 
Number five, fifth thing on my list, would be the YMCA mission statement. The Y is a mission statement that talks about Christian principles and healthy spirit, mind, and body. And for us as a church, we see that mission statement, and we just want to say to the Y, we're here to help you do that and to put that into action. We can partner in mission. Number six on my list would be the YMCA staff. And when you count all the part-time staff, there's well over 100 people serving here at the Y. Our church staff is a team of five people, but we feel like we're part of this bigger team that's here. And the Y staff are near and dear to our hearts. We love being here with them during the week and serving our community together. Reason number seven, fun, unique thing about being a church in a Y, this one I just love. We have no mortgage, no capital campaign to purchase property or build our own building, And so in the 10-year history of the Y Church, we have never carried a dollar of debt. And there is great freedom in that. We pay a modest rent, we set up chairs and tables each week, and we get to focus on people and ministry. Number eight on my list, after church, we can play hoops in our sanctuary. How many churches can do that? Number nine on my list, the YMCA is a safe non-threatening environment for people who are maybe wary of going to church. A church and a gym at a Y is probably not for everybody, but it's definitely for some people. And this is a place where it kind of feels like neutral territory. It's not a church building. It's safe, it's relaxed, and you can kick the tires here. And then reason number 10 on my list, fun, unique thing, and I don't say this to be sappy. It's going to sound sappy anyway I say it, but it's you. It's really you. You are what makes this place special. Uh, Whether you just started coming this last year or you've been here for years, you, uniquely who you are and, and who God created you to be, is what makes this place special for 10 years and counting. So there's my list. Uh, We're beginning this new year under the title 2020 Vision. And uh, just to clarify, we, we did pick that title before Oprah picked it. I don't know if you saw, she was in town this weekend for her 2020 vision tour, and she says this will be a year of transformation and triumph. Our aspirations are not quite so self-assured. Our desire is just to see clearly what God is doing in our lives. That's what we mean when we say 2020 vision. Where's he taking me this year? These are questions you can be asking. Where's he taking me? How is he at work in my life? How is the Holy Spirit helping me to grow in my faith as I follow Jesus? These are 2020 vision questions. Another key question that we've been asking is how to celebrate our 10th birthday in a significant way. And we've been asking that all throughout 2019 in preparation for 2020, knowing really that anybody can throw a party and have a cake. And we're going to do that on February 9th. We're definitely going to do that and have a great time. But we also were asking the question, what does it look like to celebrate our 10th birthday in the spiritual realm? You know, what could we do to do that? How would the Lord lead us into that kind of celebrating? And so we found this really special opportunity. As many of you know, we're going to mark our 10th birthday by building a church and YMCA in South India. And so last week we shared more about that. We released the name of the village and the pastor slash YMCA director. And we're asking you now at the start of 2020 to put these two names and this project to prayer. 
Construction will begin in March, and we'll send over a small delegation in July for the ribbon cutting and dedication of the building. We're also digging a well so that the whole community, this whole village area, can come and have access to clean water. And for us as a leadership team, and we brought in other leaders of the church too, we just thought this is a joyful way for us to celebrate. Because we too were a church plant 10 years ago. And we want to be part of God building his church in Elk River and to the ends of the earth. So this vision of building is what has shaped our message series to start the new year. We're going to study a pair of books in the Bible that talk all about building, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. They come from a time at the very end of the Old Testament. I just want to remind us briefly of what was happening there at that time. So here's the little history synopsis. The Babylonians had come in and they'd conquered Israel, the people of God in the Old Testament. They'd come in and they destroyed Jerusalem, their capital city. In Jerusalem, they destroyed the most significant building, and that was the temple where the people worshiped God. And finally, to cap it off, they haul away as prisoners many of the citizens of Jerusalem and the people of Israel, and they take them back to Babylon. This, of course, didn't all happen randomly, but God allowed it. And he had said over many, many years, centuries, that this is what would end up happening if the people of God continued to walk away from their relationship with him. And through the prophets and in other ways, God is calling to his people throughout the Old Testament. But for the most part, they're plugging their ears and they're walking the other way. We see things in the Old Testament like they're worshiping other gods. They're following pagan practices. They're letting in their own country injustice and, and wickedness run through the land. They, they're not holding to covenant with God. And eventually, as God has said, judgment will come, and it comes here in the form of the Babylonians. An amazing thing, I think, about God is even as this is happening, God is not giving up on his people. And that is true of you and I today. The people might be running away from God and now they're carried off to Babylon, but God has said to them, His mercy never runs out. And they can always return to Him. And so even as God's people are hauled off to exile in Babylon, God says, one day you will return to me. And we think of those words in Jeremiah 29 where He says, I have a hope and a future that is set out for you. And after 70 years, God brings them back to the land. That's what's happening in the book of Ezra. I don't know if you've opened the book of Ezra before, read through it. It's not a super well-known book of the Bible, but it's describing the return of God's people and the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. It's a book about building, both physical building, but also the rebuilding of God's people and their relationship with God. So as we start in Ezra today, we see the people of God returning on a mission to rebuild the temple. And in just two, three weeks, we'll go into Nehemiah, the next book, and and we'll see God's people on a mission to rebuild the city walls. And this is going to be a great place in Scripture for us to think about, here is the question for us, how is God rebuilding us? How is he rebuilding me? Because each of us knows this story. All right, this might be from the Old Testament and thousands of years old, but we too have walked away from God. As Megan shared with the kids, our lives have been overturned by sin, but God in His grace has brought us back to Him and He is rebuilding us. He's redeemed us at the cross and now He's restoring us and conforming us to the image of Christ. 
And so here's what I'd like to do with the rest of our time this morning. I want us to walk through some of the story, these verses that we read in Ezra. We're going to see the mission that God's people were on there. And then we're going to talk about the mission that we're on at the Y Church today. Secondly, we're going to talk about the culture of giving that we see in this text. And we're going to celebrate how we see that happening here. And third and finally, we're going to land on my favorite phrase in Ezra 1, where it talks about when God moves the heart. Because that's why we're here. To have our hearts moved by God, to respond to His love, and to share His love with the world. So that's the plan. Uh, Go back with me now 2,500 years in the other side of the world. Very different time and place, but actually to a place that has been in the news a lot lately. Ezra 1.1, here's what it says, here's how it starts. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, where is modern day Persia? Iran. Modern day Persia is, is Iran. And this was a place where an ancient king was used by God in a mighty way. His name was Cyrus, history calls him Cyrus the Great. And he shot to power in just a few short years, starting as just this small, piddly little vassal king. But then he takes over one kingdom after another, and his kingdom grows. Pretty soon he's marching across all of Mesopotamia, and he defeats the Babylonians, and he takes their place as the number one power in the world. He built the largest empire yet that had been seen in the ancient Near East. But as we read this passage, we know that world power has to be put in quotation marks. Because who is it who is really calling the shots in these verses? Pay close attention as we read it again. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. The Lord can use whomever He wants, can He? I mean, it doesn't matter who they are. Cyrus is a pagan king on the warpath, and God steers His course for His purposes. He gives Babylon into His hands, and thereby all the Israelites who had been carried off to Babylon in exile, and then He moves Cyrus's heart to make this kind of proclamation, and that's what we read next in verse 2. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. So messengers carry this to all of the important cities throughout the region. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. I'm just trying to think about this. This is like when Brett Favre came to play for the Vikings. You know, or what would be another analogy? Like Wiley Coyote inviting over the roadrunner for dinner. And, and he's not going to eat them. I mean, this is just totally unexpected. At, at least those analogies made sense in my head. Maybe you have better ones. All right, here's the proclamation. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, that's this remnant that's in exile, the people are to provide them with silver and gold with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Oprah would say, everybody gets a car, right? It's just stunning. 
Cyrus didn't owe them anything. But God moved his heart. And Cyrus let the people go. Not only that, but folks are giving them money and and supplies and gold and silver on their way out. And the mission is clear. Cyrus says it three times in this proclamation that this is not just a homecoming. It is with the express intent to rebuild the what? The temple. Three times the word appears there. That was the mission God's people were on. And so we see that clarity of mission is just as important as clarity of vision. And that's why every year, about this time, somewhere in January, we remind ourselves of the mission that we're on at the Y Church. And before I say what it is, our mission statement, I just want to remind us that, you know, here's the little, little secret we share every year. Basically, every Bible-believing church has the same mission. We're all on the same team together. And the mission is the same because it comes right out of Scripture. And then what we get to do is kind of say it in the way that fits our context. And so here's how we put it. The mission of the church at the Y Church, we exist to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. All right, the first one speaks to our relationship with Christ. The second one to our relationship with one another. And then the third one, is about how we share Jesus' love in word and action. Seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. And then to each one of those, we have tied a specific activity. All right, something that you can put into practice. We ask everybody at the Y Church to consider and commit to these three things. And we purposely keep it very simple. We would rather share three significant commitments that you and I can actually make than have some menu of 30 different ministry options. Because there's only so much time available in the week, and of all the things that you could do, if you put these three things into practice, we believe that spiritual growth will follow. So here they are. Worship, Y group, and serving. Worship, Y group, or its equivalent, and serving. And here's the connection to our mission. The primary place where corporately we seek Jesus together is in Sunday morning worship. So we ask one another to make Sunday morning worship a priority. Statistics in America show that the average committed Christian is in worship just 1.6 Sundays a month. And it's just really hard to gain traction on 1.6 Sundays a month. You know, if I wanted to improve my golf game, and I do and need to, and I got to the golf course in the summer just 1.6 times a month, I mean, you probably won't see much change in my golf game. And when I share these things, I realize, I'm just going to be up front and say, I know it looks like a stacked deck when a pastor is talking about church attendance, so I realize that dynamic. But that's not why I share this. I mean, I, I, I do not keep a clipboard with a checklist for church attendance and see who comes every Sunday. I just want you to know that. This is purely, entirely about spiritual health and biblical principles and how you and I were wired. That God made us to worship Him and to be with His people. And sporadic or occasional church attendance just doesn't lead to spiritual growth. And so we ask you to commit to regular Sunday worship. None of us can be here all the time, every single Sunday. I I know where's Fred Blake. He tries. But none of us can be here every Sunday. 
but we just invite you to make this your pattern. And we believe it'll make a huge difference. Secondly, in our mission, it says connect together. And so we invite everybody to be part of a Y group or its equivalent. Y groups are these smaller gatherings within the larger church. And they often meet in homes. One meets here at the Y where we can also take advantage of kids stuff. But the idea is this. There's no way that you and I can know everybody who's here on a Sunday morning. But there is great value in getting to know a few people really well. And so it might be 12 people, 15, 20. Some Y groups are life stage specific. Some are full of kids. Some are different ages all mixed in together. And that's a really special dynamic. But our Y groups meet in seasons. And so it's very easy to just jump in and try one out for a few weeks or a couple months. And when they're in season, most of them meet twice a month. Why groups, if you're wondering, what is a typical, you know, well, maybe I could do this time-wise, but what, what happens there? Why groups typically spend time hanging out and enjoying something to eat, and then they might spend some time looking at a Bible passage, or maybe they've been looking at a specific book, like a topic kind of study. They might use a video curriculum. The group gets to discuss what, what are we learning here, or, you know, what questions I have or, or doubts am I wrestling with. And then just to share some prayer requests with each other. That's the typical Y group. Some of you may already have a Bible study that you're part of or another small group, which is great. And that's why we say, or it's equivalent. Because it's the concept that counts. And here at the Y Church, we just call them Y groups. The people here who feel most connected and thrive relationally are often those who are connected to a Y group. And so I can't encourage you enough in this new year to try one out. Very soon we'll have a church Y group focus in the season of Lent. And so watch for that in the next month. And that leaves us with the last one then. Remember we keep it simple. There's just three things. Share his love. Now this one we do both in word and action. Both of them are critical. Because in the word part, we want to be people who have the courage and conviction to tell others about Jesus. I was reading an article just a few weeks ago that said this. Just one sentence popped out at me. It said, the biggest predictor of future faith in growing churches is evangelism. Period. All right, that statement is spot on. And please don't let the word evangelism scare you away and you're running out the door. All right, because here's all that means. It means that any one of us can use the simple words that God has given us to be able to tell a friend or a neighbor, a classmate, a coworker about the difference that Jesus is making in our life. That's evangelism. Or even maybe the opportunity to extend an invitation to come to church. You know, you might tell them about the Reese's Pieces dispenser or the hot tub. I would definitely come if it was me. But the specific action now on the right that we want to highlight under sharing his love is serving. So more the action side. Serving is where our faith gets legs, and it expresses itself in action. It's where all that we're taking in and we're receiving in worship and in our Y group then has an outlet where it naturally carries out to others. And so we ask everyone just to find a way to serve here and carry out the mission of the church. And that might be in student ministry on Wednesday nights. I'm just going to highlight a few examples. might be with our middle school and high school students. It could be serving on Thursday mornings, if your schedule allows. We have a great time with volunteers on Thursday morning at what we call Thursday Serve Day, 
We get stuff ready for worship and get the spiritual vitamins ready for the Y at the front desk. Of course, a lot of our serving happens right here on Sunday mornings. And so you might consider serving on our kids' ministry team. Our setup crew might be a good spot for you. It might be our worship team or our prayer team that will meet with people and pray. And, and the list goes on. There's hospitality and there's projection. Being a Bible reader, the, the list goes on. I guarantee you that however God has wired you and gifted you, there is some way to put your faith into action here at the Y Church. If you're not connected to a serving team yet, or maybe you've been serving in one area and you'd like to try something new, that's what those sign-up-to-serve sheets are for that are on our tables. So feel free to use that and fill out something that you would like to try. It's a new year, and you just can't go wrong. I've never heard somebody say, I, I regret signing up to serve. It's a joyful thing to do, and it carries out the mission of the church. So those are the three things. Hopefully you can remember them. We'll put them up there for us again. Worship, Y group, serving. And we believe if you would commit to that kind of pattern in 2020, you will see God building away in your life, drawing you closer to himself and to those around you, and we would love to be part of that with you. So we're on the home stretch as we carry through our message this morning. Before we're done, I said we're going to celebrate something, and it is around the culture of giving that we see in this text. In that proclamation, Cyrus had invited everyone to give financially to those who were returning to rebuild the temple. And that's exactly what the people in Babylon did. And then you'll notice, Jeff tagged on that reading from chapter 2. It has this ripple effect to Jerusalem. Here's what we read. It said, when they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave free will offerings toward the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. According to their ability... They gave to the treasury for this work 61,000 derricks of gold, 5,000 minas of silver, and 100 priestly garments. It's just two little verses, but, but it's a beautiful picture of generosity. These are free will offerings, it says. So that is people that are giving beyond, above and beyond their normal offering. It says each according to their own ability. And we get to do the same thing here. Finances is one of those things that can be such a blessing when it is done with integrity and it is done well. And when it's not, it can be a mess. It can be a disaster for a family, for a business, and especially for a church. And so we emphasize here transparency, accountability, and biblical principles for giving. And those principles are things like First fruits giving, that means giving off the top instead of what's left over. Secondly, generous giving, that means giving sacrificially. Third, we talk about joyful giving, not giving out of obligation, but, but doing so with a cheerful heart. And lastly, we talk about the model of tithing that we see in the Bible, and that's giving 10% of our income. Now, two things we don't see in the Bible... And so you maybe have noticed we don't do here is pass around an offering plate or do pledge cards. So we don't do it. Now we're not saying that you can't do it as a church. We just have never felt like it's necessary. Statistically, they say that a church misses out on 25% of its income if you don't pass offering plates. But we here are out to prove that statistic wrong. That is our goal. So we have a high degree of trust here. 
We communicate actively with one another about how we're doing in our financial health. And I can tell you this, that for 10 years, the Lord has provided for us financially until this very day. In Ezra, they gave free will offerings in addition to their normal giving. And so we had a chance to do that as we came into the home stretch of 2019 and the end of the year. At our annual meeting in November, we shared about three possibilities. Just if anybody was interested in, in a special project or year-end giving kind of opportunity that's outside of our budget, uh, we gave three ideas. And if you remember, here's what they were. One of those ideas is to take that projector and to finally be able to permanently put it up on the wall in a gym-safe cage that will be basketball and volleyball proof. Okay, so that was one of the ideas. It's something we've been thinking about for a while. Secondly, to put real spotlights, like real lighting, up in the gym ceiling so that we can get away from these hazardous, tippy, very hot lights. I've More than once, Joe Guidarelli has caught one as it's heading down. So that was the second idea. And then the third one, and most significantly, to begin raising the funds for our 2020 vision to build a church and a YMCA in India. On that last one, this, this was amazing. We, just in sharing it, then a member couple of the church came up afterwards and said, you know, we, we want to jumpstart that 2020 vision in India. And so they offered a matching gift of $3,000 for anything that was given by the end of the day on December 31st. And so uh, the total cost of the building and the well in India is $12,500. Okay, so that was the total for the building and the well. And so we thought maybe we could get halfway there, this jumpstart idea. Maybe we could get halfway there, and then in the second half, we can cover in 2020. So that was the scenario, and now the numbers are in, and I want to tell you where we landed. On the projection and lighting, we saw $7,000 come in to complete those projects. And for India, remember 12500 We received 12100 by the end of December 31st, and more has come in since then. So what that means, remember we thought, boy, maybe we could get halfway there. The building and the well were practically paid for before we even got into 2020. And we'll have one more opportunity to give towards that if you missed it coming up in February. But that is simply amazing. It's a free will offering, like the book of Ezra, of over $19,000 to finish the year. And we just say together, praise God. Praise God. God does amazing things when he moves the heart. God does amazing things when he moves the heart. And that's where I want to finish today. This beautiful praise, uh, phrase and praise that's picked up in Ezra 1. That's where we read that first God moved the heart of Cyrus. And then he moved the heart of the people. And I tell you what, I mean, yesterday, I was super bummed that the Vikings were bounced out of the playoffs so badly. I mean, I, I may have hollered at the TV a few times. But I tell you what, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just a game. And there is something that is so much bigger 
being played out in the hearts and minds of the people around us. And not just around us, not just for them, but for each one of us. When God moves your heart, and that's what he desires to do, then big things are on the way. He's building and rebuilding and shaping your life in the way that he made you for. There are fun and unique things about you, the way that he created you, the way he delights in you. And we want this to be a place where that can come to life. And so may this year be a year when God moves your heart in big and small ways to know him more. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.